How's it going, Steve, on your side? I'm I'm good. Uh, if y'all are good, I'm good. I don't know that anyone's at Mixler yet. They're not. They'll get the they'll get the um they'll get the email notifications in about an hour. Like right as <laughs> we're all winding down. Yeah, the people that get well, you know, people get notified, hey, something's live on the Mixler channel you follow. And um usually around this time at night they say it's our most traffic time, so notifications are a little long. It takes a little while for the notifications to get there. It's like, shut up. You should work. But Hey, yeah. Steve, have you have you said have you met this guy? His name's uh, Groku. Have you seen Groku? Before? Oh, Groku? Yeah. This, yeah. this just in. His name's Groku. <laughs> yeah, old Groku. How do you feel? Well, you know what? Let's uh, let can we can I do the start the show proper on my end, and then we'll get into it. it. You guys are ready do to do this? All right, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Make sure my volume's up. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. this episode of geek out loud it's what we call a very special episode of geek out loud as we are cross promoting with our friends over at chewy's cantina with our good friend author adam bray it's your safe place to geek out and collect in Chewy's Cantina and on the podcast of Geek Out Loud. This is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. And man, it really, truly is going to be a special show tonight. The only way that this could be even more special is if someone broke out a box of Pac-Man cereal and uh, and we would just go to town with it. Everyone remember Pac-Man cereal? Because I sure do. Uh, it is It is good to have along with us, not only over in the cantina, uh, my good friend and your good friend from Back to the Wax Packs, as well as the uh, the big man in the Chewy's Cantina, Lethargic Chewy himself, my friend Lucas Butler. Lucas, how's it going, buddy? Hello, friends. Uh, all is well, buddy. All is well. Excited to hang out with you guys tonight. Got a lot of fun planned. Indeed, indeed. And uh, our guest of honor, if you will, is uh, is good friend of mine and good friend of the show, you know him from, if you're a Patreon supporter, you know him from Super Saturday specials uh, with he and Eric Schernerweiss. And, uh, and now um, he's he's been on Rebel Force Radio, and I'm just surprised we were able to get this guy. He is an author extraordinaire, world traveler, renowned uh, Adam Bray. Adam, how you doing, man? Hey, 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 it's previously Fat Adam. 
every pound of weight you lost, I found, sir. I absolutely did. I I am having to build like one of those dioceses that Jabba sits on in my house. Just kind of, I just sit there and people come over. I'm like, Boshuda, you know, I'm, I'm doing all that stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a solo wonky. You know, just saying. So people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just give me a frog. I'll. I'll eat it like Java does and Baby Yoda. So, man, it's good to see you, Adam. It's good to have you with us, and I was glad that uh, that you're willing to do this for us because tonight we're really, it's it's really the Adam Bray show is what this is going to end up being. So, what's happening is is people are watching us on Facebook Live over at Chewy's Cantina. If you're a Geek Out Loud listener and you're on Facebook, you can go join up in that group by going to geekoutonline.com slash cantina. Or maybe you're listening live via the Mixler at Mixler.com slash Goliverse. We are taking questions for Adam all night long. So, Adam, let's do this real quick so people can kind of get an idea um, of, of what it is that they can ask you about and as, as it pertains to some different things. Your name is on such works as Ultimate Marvel. Yep. Ultimate Star Wars. Yep. Uh, both editions. Yep. Okay. Uh, there's the Stormtrooper book, the the Star Wars Stormtrooper. I mean, it's just called Stormtroopers, mm-hmm. right? And yep. you're on. <laughs> are you on the Marvel Studios Visual Dictionary or ab- no? Absolutely everything yeah. you need to know. Yeah, both of them. Okay. And um and then absolutely everything you need to know about Star Wars is that you? I'm looking at my yep. bookshelf up here. Right. And then you were on. Just assume I wrote all of them. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> but you were also on a recent. Uh, you were also contributed to a recent update of the Marvel Encyclopedia. Right. Okay. Yep. Am I missing anything? Rebels. You've done work oh, for yeah. Rebels. Yeah. yeah. Rebels. Um. There's a couple of Legos book. Lego books. Um. There's a bunch of kids' books, so like uh, Starfighter ones with pop-out buildable models mm-hmm. and things. Altogether, I'm, I think I'm approaching 20 Star Wars and Marvel books, wow. not counting all the special editions and fancy repackagings and things. And and what's cool about these things is these are not um, these are not works necessarily. Well, I guess they are works of fiction, but they're not works like they're not a they're not a novel. It's not Star Wars and Marvel novels. They, these are reference books. So these are like tomes of knowledge for people when they want to find out. I mean, literally, when you talk about absolutely everything you need to know, those books are are very much geared toward a younger audience, but they're very accessible for anybody. Um, I love the absolutely everything you need to know about Marvel. That's just a fun book. The way that one's organized and everything. But then you you get into some of these. Other, I'm going to have to move some stuff to pull to pull some down because I, I just the look and the feel. They're coffee table sized books, but they look great on a shelf, just kind of lined up together and everything. And uh, and in the midst of doing all this, you I mean like this is all this is kind of a big deal because as much as you're writing about this stuff, you're also a fan of these things. Mm-hmm. And right. how did how did that get started? Where Star Wars? I think would am, am I safe to say that's one of your first fandom, first geek loves is Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. Um, Star Wars is kind of that's in my earliest childhood memories. I I saw it when um, I was like three or four years old. I went to a drive-in movie theater and I remember seeing A New Hope and the Jawas loading R two D two up in the sand crawler. Um, my, you know, my, my, the first birthday I remember was getting the Millennium Falcon and, and all the, oh, the original action figures. So 
That's those. It's part of my foundation memories of being a human. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, you know, so I, I, I had a very t- sort of, sort of a typical um, childhood with Star Wars, except for the fact that in 1984, I moved up to Alaska mm. uh, with my family. We, my parents bought a school bus and drove us up there. And um, back then, you know, the only way you were going to get Star Wars toys is from like the Sears Christmas catalog right. or to call your grandma down in Pennsylvania and right. say, can you, can you go to Toys R Us and look for a man, a man, a man, and, <laughs> and, the and all these creatures that, that she had no idea what they were and just hope that she'll find them and send them to me. I don't need another man, a man. <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't need a man, a man. Uh, <laughs> Nick Toe. I hope I don't nick my toe. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. always as I look back. Like here's it, to me, like nowadays perusing the toy aisles, and I know we've got multi generational listeners here. Um, but you know, on, honestly, I look and it feels like the big toy items for kids today are like your Fortnite stuff. Um, they right. like the it's it's the video games that are spinning off and the action figures and everything, and um. And I just look at some of those things and I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And I just wonder if it had to be the same way for our parents back in the day. Like, yeah. I don't even know where to start for this kid, you know? And, right. um, you know, so what, what's a, what, what's an aluminum Falcon? Like, that's obviously something that I know that's from robot chicken, but that's obviously something that Seth green or Seth. Yeah. Seth, uh, Seth green heard his parents ask in in the past, what's an aluminum Falcon? Yeah. You know, at, 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 at where, at, what do you mean at, at, you know, what, snow speeder and you can't speed in the snow you know those kinds of things but um as you've as you've kind of come along in your fandom i mean good night star wars has evolved you know you go back to those days uh you know we don't want to spend this you know we don't want to be the nostalgia podcast necessarily but you go back to those days of, of star wars in the 80s in the 70s and it was it was a simple time you know you you were going to get kenner action figures and play sets and spaceships. And, and I always felt like, and if someone tried to give me a knockoff star Wars toy, like if they wanted to throw me an eraser, a pencil topper, I was like, this isn't, this isn't cool. This is not cool. Star Wars stuff. You know, but nowadays I'm like, I'd love one of those things to sit up on my shelf, you know? (laughs) So, but during that time, so you were three or four when, when you saw it in the drive through with the original, would that that would have put you around seven eight for or six or seven for Empire? Uh, yeah, when Empire was nineteen eighty, yeah. so I was yeah I was five when Empire. Wow! Came out. So do you remember? I remember that? Yeah, yeah. That was that was the one. I think that's my earliest memory. I think as far as movies go, is going to see the Empire Strikes Back. Now I fell asleep because I was like three years old. You know, but uh, but I do remember that, and I had, and you know, people, listeners, of this show know I've got a blue, old blue, fish and tackle box that I carried around my Empire Strikes Back trading cards, and I would just go through them all. The, I would just sit there and be content to look at the pictures from the movie over and over and over again, and uh, as well as play with the toys and that sort of thing. But Return of the Jedi is my big memory. Out of those three, out of that original trilogy, do you have a favorite of those three? Yeah, Return of the Jedi definitely. Really? Uh, 
Yeah, it, uh, it, it just hit me, I think, at the right age. Star Wars for me was, you know, the, the aliens and the droids. Mm-hmm. Um, that was what I care, cared about most, with, you know, was R2-D2 and C-3PO and Chewbacca. And the human characters were just, they were the filler in between <laughs> right. the, the cantina right. and, you know, the aliens and robots. Um, and so when when Return of the Jedi came out with Jabba the Hutt and his palace of aliens just completely captivated me. And then, you know, who wouldn't want to go live with teddy bears in tree forts right. in the forest? Right. I mean, that was that was like my ideal existence. I wanted to live like that for the rest of my life was to go live with the Ewok. Yeah, I was I was like it was the late nineties. It was internet when everyone had access to the internet before I realized that there were people out there who did not like Ewoks. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I, because to me, the minute, the minute I saw them, we loved them. We had a little area in our yard that was kind of wooded and we called it the Ewok forest, you know, the Ewok village. Yeah. And it was just like that movie for me was like, this is star Wars. This is the ultimate culmination of everything that is star Wars. And it'll never get better than Jabba's palace and Ewoks. And the and all of those Tie Fighters coming at the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon in that one shot, it will never get better than that. Right. And then the prequels come along, and some people would say, "Well, Steve, you're right; it didn't get better than that." <laughs> but I'm not one of those because I I really dig the prequels. I really enjoy right. I really enjoy the prequels. So that brings us when so when those prequels hit, you know, this is at what point in your life you said your parents you know bought a bus and moved you up to to Alaska. But at some point in your life, you became a world traveler because before you got into the Marvel and the Star Wars writing, you were writing travel books. When, when, what time in, in, in history were you spanning the globe? When you were like a a, a, a chubby Indiana Jones? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was 2003. Okay. Um, I had just seen uh, Attack of the Clones uh, in the U.S. um, before I went over. Um, And I'll be honest, uh, Attack of the Clones, I thought, was the low point. Um, It was the first it was the first Star Wars movie where I was actually bored uh, in the in the movie theater, yeah, um, and I just felt like at the time that that end battle in Geonosis it just looked too much like a video game. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. Um, and I just, I mean, now now I you know I have more appreciation for sure. it. I appreciate the world building in it and yeah. some of the creatures and things. It's you know, and I, who doesn't love you know. Um, uh, Christopher Lee count, count oh, man. Dooku, yeah. you know, I, um, I'm grateful for it. You know, any movie we've got Christopher Lee in to remember. Right. Now, yeah. Now that he's gone. Um, but yeah, at the time I was like, it was kind of like an existential crisis. Sure. I didn't, sure. Know, how, how can I, how can I not like a star Wars movie? Right. Here it is. Yeah. Um, so at that point, yeah, I went overseas, um, went to China to visit my brother who was teaching English and um, just got traveling around and liked it so much. I stayed over there in Vietnam and uh, started making travel websites for the places I lived and visited and travel publishers started asking me to update their guidebooks. So 
before I knew it, I'd, uh, I'd written about 45 books on travel in Southeast Asia and was writing for CNN and National Geographic and BBC and all these different media outlets. Mm. Um, but all the while, knowing that uh, one of the travel publishers I wrote for was DK, and I knew that back when I was in college, they wrote all those really big, expensive Star Wars coffee table books that I could never yeah. afford to buy. Yep. So I'd have to go into Barnes and Noble and drink coffee and read them for free, <laughs> that's right. and then leave them, put them back on the shelf before I left. And that's and that's why the bookstore industry is crashing today, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. <laughs> all, it's all Adam's fault. <clears throat> exactly. So you but, you kind of had on your radar. In, or in the back of your mind, man, I'd like to do one of those bad boys. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was it was my hope that um, if I ever decided to, you know, shelve all that travel writing stuff and come back to the U.S., which eventually I did, that um, maybe they'd let me switch topics. So yeah. I happened to ask at just the right time when Disney bought Star Wars. Mm. So they were making more movies and they wanted to capitalize on that. Now, you a, a key component to you getting involved, and, and I want to take this, I want to diverge down this path very quickly because of some news that came out recently about him. Uh, Jonathan Rensler was a big part of you getting getting tapped to do some of this work. Um, what does, for those who may not know who Jonathan Rensler is, talk a little bit about what he means to Star Wars writing particularly as it pertains to these reference type books and that sort of thing and uh and a little bit about what he's going through now and in, in some different ways maybe that have, are, are, are there anything out there that's going on to help him and that sort of thing so right yeah um well jonathan rinsler was um the executive uh, editor at lucasfilm um so he was in charge of all the publishing um i think he's I think he started 2002 or 2003 and um, stayed until, uh, I don't know, maybe it was 2000, 2016 or 2017, somewhere around in there. Um, so he was brought on into Lucasfilm um, initially. Uh, I, I think the making of, um, of uh, episode three was might have been his first book. Okay. Um, and he did um, a bunch of art books uh, for George Lucas. Um, initially, a bunch of them were like pet projects. And I think some of them may not have even been Star Wars. Like right. They more, they more <clears throat> pertain to, um, I think, George Lucas's art collection that's going into his museum. Mm -hmm. I think there was a book, uh, something related to that. Um, but so he... He got right in, um, you know, working with with George Lucas on some of these books, and um, which is rare. Right. I don't, I don't think normally anyone in the story who's now in the story group or anyone in publishing now at Lucasfilm would have ever, you know, integrate worked with George Lucas, you know, directly. Right. Um, so he's. Um, uh, Jonathan is is rare and you know he's the real deal right there at the source yes um, and he was on on set you know writing uh, writing these books mm -hmm. you know and documenting things like for episode three um, but he you know he he managed the whole publishing department so he 
everything, you know, everything that's come out of um, Lucasfilm, you know, during that era, you know, came, he, he approved, he managed in some way, whether it was, you know, Dark Horse comics or novels or things. But he personally wrote um, all these great uh, landmark uh, making of and behind the scenes books that uh, we all love, the, all the really definitive stuff that we're never going to have something better. We're never going to have something right. more authoritative. We're never going to have something, you know, that has the official approval stamp right. from George Lucas. Yeah. Everything else is, you know, it's coming through a, a Disney lens um, <laughs> and it's coming, you know, secondhand, thirdhand information now. Right. Um, but so he's he's done all the making of of um, the original trilogy, um, the making of Indiana jo- all the Indiana Jones movies. Um, yep, there's the, this uh, is the making of Star Wars. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is a this is an achievement, is what this is. I mean, because of all of the information and the just the stuff that's dug out of the archives, photos. There's call sheet type stuff in here. There's 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 pieces of the script, you know, it, it's just, it is absolutely amazing. Um, these books right. and, and the work that went into them. And, uh, and like you say, he did the same for Indiana Jones. I think, did he do alien? No, planet yeah, of the apes. Yeah. Since, since leaving the company, he's, um, he's done several, um, one for one of those, um, you know, makeup guys. I forget which one, one of the really big guys in the industry, Rick, um, Rick I, Baker. I think, yeah, Rick Baker. I think there's one for Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, I'm looking at. Um, two recent ones for the Alien movies, mm-hmm. which, interestingly, is now now Disney. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. That's so right. kind of come back full circle. Um, but, yeah, and he's, he's done a lot of specialists mm-hmm. uh, behind-the-scenes books, which we're never going to get anything more authoritative, like right. um, the the blueprints of ships and sets and things yeah, from yeah. the original trilogy and the costumes from the originals and the prequels. Um, yeah. Lot, lots of really hardcore in-depth, um, like the, the storyboards, um, just stuff we're not, that since we've not gotten and we're just, we're just, I, I don't believe we're ever going to get anything like that right. going forward. Yeah. Um, he'd even, um, as I, as he was transitioning out, he had written a making of um, book for the Force Awakens, right? Um, which unfortunately never got published. Um, yeah. I've heard varying reasons why. Um, I, why <laughs> well, well, I mean, look, we we don't can we go down that road? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 because of the Disney washing machine, man. They don't they right. don't want to they don't want to get anything out there. I mean, the worst that's been put out there was Iger in his own autobiography. You know where he says, "Yeah, I pretty much betrayed George Lucas." <laughs> you know they they don't want to they don't want a secondhand account of that or someone. Right. You know, yeah. So yeah, that. Yeah, Iger's book was revealing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in, incredibly so. Um, but but Rensler has recently kind of let the world in on some pretty bad news. Yeah, he um, he has stage four uh, pancreatic cancer, mm. um, and that's that's the disease we just lost Alex Trebek to. Right. Um, so it's it's a very tough thing. Uh, pancreatic cancer is tough. 
and uh, stage four cancer is tough. Um, so he's he's let uh, fans and readers know um, he's he's uh, he talked about it on his Facebook page and the blog on his website, and um, he does have a a caring bridge uh, website that's linked from there that you know people can go and you know and see his his how he's doing um, going through chemo and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, there is. Uh, a link to a GoFundMe uh, page there, but it doesn't look like it's it's active. I, they must have decided not not to run that at this time. Okay. Um, but people can keep an eye on that. Um, and the, his, he and his wife have asked people, you know, to buy his his new book um, called All Up, um, and that's his own personal uh, story about um, the U.S. space race, and it, it's an ori- original. Um, kind of historical fiction, mm-hmm. um, but it's I it it kind of ties everything you know into it. It yeah. um, you know it, it it ties in you know the alien I think some of the alien Roswell stuff and you know the the sightings that, that the astronauts have oh, okay. of UFOs and things and and um, you know some of the stuff going on in Europe and the Soviet Union with our competitors and so it's. It's really interesting. It's fun. It's it's not like a dry historical book or anything. Right. And it, it is it is um, you know, it's historical fiction. Yeah. Okay. Well, I knew I know that, you know, like I say, I know that he's not just a nameless face to you. Um as, right. as you worked with him, he pulled you into the whole thing and I and I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk a little bit about him and to kind of make people aware of how they can help out buy his book there's there's amazon links over at geekoutonline.com geekoutpodcast.com people can click through to get those um or, or you know uh, it and and look for all he's done for the community whatever we need to do to help him out however we can he, he's definitely worth helping out so um but we'll move on to happier things and and uh and and more uh more pertinent things to, to our conversation um because all of this writing all of this uh, fandom that you have has has birthed this 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 life of collecting, and you and I over on the Patreon feed for Geek Out Loud when we do our uh, our our good friend Erish would just have to kind of take a back seat as you and I would take a moment <laughs> or two Irish. to talk about talk about what we've gotten lately what's what's our new finds and that sort of thing because um because you're you're into the collecting side of things as as well as I am. And do you kind of hang around the six inch stuff or, or are you collecting uh, three and three quarters like the old school or, or you, uh, are you just kind of hang with black series and Marvel legends things? Um, I do both sizes, mm-hmm. uh, three and three quarter and the six inch, the star Wars. I only got into the six inch just because they, they pulled back on the three and three quarters so much. Right. That there was, there was almost nothing to buy for a while. Yeah. Um, so, and that's all there's been for a few years and still there, you know, as we all know, they're still putting all the emphasis into that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, three, like all of us, three and three quarter is what I grew up with. That's, that's the core Star Wars nostalgia. Yeah. So if I were to choose between the two, I'd probably go back to vintage collection, you know, small, small. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's easier to store until you, until you decide you want to keep them on these cards 
And then it's like, <laughs> and then right. it's like, well, what do I do with them all? So you hang them on the wall or you just kind of tuck them away in a file box or something, you know, so, cause I want to bend those cards. Right. Um, yeah, that's uh well, so what we're doing here, we're, I'm, I'm just having a conversation with Adam Lucas. You chime in whenever you want to, buddy. And uh, we're taking questions from people watching on Facebook Live. If you're in the Mixler chat, I'll, I'll field those questions from you. And Lucas, as you see a question, just, just kind of kick in with it, pal. I do have an observation. As uh, Adam was sharing your journey, um, you know, we were talking about Attack of the Clones and, you know, your, uh, your struggle coming to terms with it. And then you went on a world tour. You, was that like a soul search because episode two was bad to you? Or... He, he went on a walkabout. He, walk he, went... <laughs> he, like, he was like, you know, Bruce Wayne, you know, he, he goes out, he goes into the Himalayas to become Batman or something. You go out into Southeast Asia to find yourself because episode two was so bad. <laughs> well, you know, um, there is there is a little something to that because um, uh, one of the other things was I want I always wanted to work at Lucasfilm you know and I started out in biology working with chimpanzees and this whole other career and that kind of came to an end and I got disillusioned and saw that there was nowhere to go with that and uh, I was you know poor as a pauper um, and. So then, you know, I wanted, you know, I tried to pursue this thing work, working for Lucasfilm and I applied to almost every job they posted on their website um, for years and years. And even after becoming a writer, still would occasionally. Um, but I, I got frustrated at never, never getting a call back. So I thought, well, if, if they're not going to hire me, I'll just go off and be my own Indiana Jones over, you know, and have my own adventures, you know, in some other country. And I did. Um, you know, I I have no qualms about saying my life was maybe more interesting than Indiana Jones was, my daily life, because um, I, I had so much fun at it, you know, living off in the countryside in rural areas. And all my free time, I'd go off in the jungle and explore temple ruins and things that weren't in any books or on any maps. So you know, and go visit um, these these tribes up in the mountains and, you know, go swimming in waterfalls and stuff. So I had a pretty cool life. I wouldn't I wouldn't swap it for anything, um, honestly. Uh, so, yeah, it kind of does tie into that. But while I was over there, um, actually, it was. I had gone over there and then I came back and then I went back there again. Um, and I think it was maybe as I was leaving the second time, or I don't remember, but the, um, the Clone Wars was coming out and I didn't know anything about it. It just hit me all of a sudden it's in the theater and I had to go back. I was on my way over overseas. So I never, never got to see it in the theater. Um, so I just saw it over the, uh, the internet and DVDs and stuff. Um, so, but I, I liked what I saw with, um, I kind of started in, in the first, season of Clone Wars. I, I didn't see the movie till later. So I know a lot of people didn't like the movie so much, but like the series. So I started with that and I thought, well, this, this is actually pretty good. This is more, this, this captures more of the adventure um, and the spirit of what I wanted in Star Wars. Um, so, you know, I'll, uh, I like that. So I stuck with it and that kind of, uh, 
got me got my heart kind of back into Star Wars was the Clone Wars. I went and saw the Clone Wars movie and I think I was the only person in the theater that day and was absolutely stunned and I'm like this is this isn't this can't be right. This can't be real life. And um <clears throat> and and I watched it and I, I I liked it. I was not against it per se, but I just knew I'm like wow, Star Wars has really changed. Little did I know. Um what would what was coming but the very first episode that aired on television was ambush with and it's all very yoda centric where it's yoda and the three clones against like the whole droid army and yoda has a moment with the clones and he's like you're all very different in the force and and all the, and it was just like I, I was like this is everything you want yoda to be during this time right. this is everything and and it and i remember as i watched that first season i'm like it's taken them a while to kind of figure out what they want to be Cause they would go super silly, you know, or they would be like super serious in like wartime, you know, story. And it's just like, you got to figure out, but those that would kind of fell in the sweet spot, that whole little trilogy about Grievous's big ship that I guess was like one big giant ion cannon there where they would take out the ships. And then uh, what the, the malevolence trilogy, there was a moment where Anakin um, does something in his little ship, the twilight and Obi-Wan says, Anakin spinning is not a is not a tactic. And he's like, but it's a good trick. And I was like, they made a they made a Phantom Menace reference. You know, and I'll trust it. And I was just like, I'm I'm on board. I'm on board yeah. now because I'm like, I don't know what it was about that moment, but like it absolutely there was the right amount of fun and danger and enjoyment. And and just it, it you're right, it really did. And the more it went along. You know, as they would send to, as all shows seem to do in modern times, there were moments where they tended to lean too dark. But then when they pulled back from that and they would stay in that adventure sweet spot, that adventure and magic and, and everything sweet, like it, it was some of the best Star Wars that's been out there since the original trilogy. Um, I, sh I think I share your frustration some with episode two, but I think I, I think it's more from like a storytelling standpoint. I think Lucas really set himself up with way too much information and way too many loose ends that could not get tied up in episode three. And so you end up with names like Sifo Diaz getting thrown around and never addressed again until later on and way later on in the Clone Wars. You know, you, right. you end up with, um, you know, the whole intrigue of what the Clone Wars is about just kind of almost as a sidebar or side note. And you never really get to experience like it's just like you you could see there were all these ideas that lucas had but then when he got to revenge of the sith he's like well i i, mm, I really just need to focus on anakin and obi-wan and padme a little bit so we'll just do that and and, and how many of those things kind of got left behind and so to me it does make attack of the clones one of the weakest ones but man when yoda sparks that lightsaber at the end was he's coming around, you know, the Dooku and, and they have their little wizards battle. And then he just sparks that lightsaber up. I never get over just loving that moment. So very much <laughs> with him and Dooku. So, uh, um, so you questions from the uh, Facebook side, if that's cool, go for it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we got several, we'll start with, uh, let's see, uh, Michael Nip over on the Facebook side. Oh, says, Michael I'd love to know how long Adam generally has to research for the books. Well, that's a good one. Um, most books are about 
two months, um, maybe three months uh, that I'm on it. Um, and sometimes I'll know that they're coming for a while. They would, you know, talk to me for maybe, you know, they, we, they men, mentioned that, you know, down the road, there might be this book maybe six months beforehand. Um, but they just kind of leave it up in the air and like, suddenly I'll get an email and it's like, Oh, you know, we need you to start up. Can you start on this book in like one week or in two weeks? And, um, fortunately, uh, it's, it's very rare that I've had to turn down a book. Um, but some, sometimes there are a few books I've had to turn down. Unfortunately, they just, they just, you know, they'll just come to me. It's like, we need you to start it tomorrow and you, you got to finish it in three weeks. <laughs> and it's like, it's, you know, and it's like over Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it's like, sorry, <laughs> it's, just, it's just not, not enough warning. Um, but yeah, most of them are two or three months. Um, and so a bigger book, um, like an ultimate Star Wars, you know, I can't do that just one person. So they're going to have multiple authors working on it, their own, their own assignment portion of it at the same time for those two or three months. Um, how, it's, very, it's, it's rare with these books to have longer. Um, one of the big exceptions was the Stormtroopers book and uh, Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor. And I think that went on for like two years. It was like a year and a half or two years. And the reason for that um, was because Disney didn't want us, Disney wanted us to include several different movies in it, but they didn't want to show us anything ahead of time. They made us wait for each movie to come out um, to to see the stuff and to get the information. Um, uh, before the Disney era, era, I think Lucasfilm would have given me more of that in advance. Uh, but Disney's very um, high security. So uh, be, because for some reason they knew there was a milestone where they wanted to release this book at a certain time. So we decided to make it take that long. How how are those duties divvied up when you get into a situation like your ultimate books? Um, is that is that assigned by the publisher? Is there is there a head editor that's doing that's telling you you work on this and and this person work on the, these things or, or how does that work? Yeah, that's usually um, the editor will divide it up. Uh, we can request things. Um, I'll often request certain sections or say that I don't want certain sections. Um, and they will take that into account. Um, but, you know, then they'll often with the DK book where you've a big book where you've got a bunch of different authors, they'll just say, okay, you're doing this spread, you know, you're doing spread page four and five and 13 and 14 and 60 mm -hmm. and 67. And it'll be just kind of, cause DK works in terms of spreads two okay. facing pages. A lot of, a lot of coffee table books like this are designed that way. So the facing page is one section. You turn the page, those two pages are right. one topic. You turn the, and then those two okay. pages are one topic. Um, so they'll divide, you know, they'll give you a set of two pages and just very random sets mm -hmm. throughout the book. 
that's usually how it's done. With the Stormtrooper book, though, um, it was more just divided. Writer Wyndham wanted to do the original trilogy. Okay. And I did everything else. (laughs) (laughs) And Ryder appreciates you telling us all that. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't, I never really thought about how much more material there was in in the everything else section. You you are, hey, Adam, you are broadcasting, buddy. I I don't know if you know that or not. That was all right. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Do you go ahead, Lucas? What you got? Well, just, you know, as you are assigned those sections or you uh, select, you know, certain sections you have. No, essentially, obviously, you're gathering information from the films, gathering information from the animated stuff. Um, How much creative freedom do you have? I mean, are you are you given rules? Okay, we don't dip into this Legends canon stuff or or I guess that's the create. The question is, how much creative freedom do you have when you're compiling this stuff? Yeah, it's um, it's been weird because they, uh, you know, the the environment changed a little bit on me. Um, I the the first two books I wrote, um, uh, "What Makes a Monster," which is a little kids book, um, and the Rebels Visual Guide to for the TV show. I wrote those before the announcement that they were dumping the expansion universe um so i wrote those under the old rules where um you could kind of mix everything in um but the rebels book got released after the announcement um so technically it's it's the first canon book even though they say a new dawn is technically my book that's right that's Um, right that's right yeah i'm gonna take credit for it um (laughs) But, um, yeah, so, and with that book, um, I made lots of references to, um, like, the Ewoks and Droids cartoons and to Dark Horse comics, to characters and things, and to, yeah, just stuff all over the place. Um, Then after that, uh, they were... They were the licensees, uh, the publishers were all a little bit nervous because they'd told, been told the expanded universe was no more and we're only working with the new, the new canon. Um, so everyone was kind of scared to include new stuff in. Um, so it, we kind of had to reacclimate and figure out what, the, what Disney's appetite was for bringing the old stuff back into the new stuff. Um, but I told them like, Hey, my experience with Lucasfilm was they, they liked it when I made references to the EU. Um, and they liked it when I in, ma- made things up when I, when we, it's called inventing new information that Lucasfilm was pretty comfortable with it. As long as I, you know, notated, I've made this up um, or, or this this comes from the expanded universe. As long as I notated it, they didn't care. Um, so as everybody got more comfortable with that, we started doing that more and more. And you start seeing um, where in the the animated stuff, the clone, whether it's Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever, where they'll make references, they'll bring old EU things in, like Thrawn and the the the. Um, 
dark troopers and stuff like that. They'll bring that back in. So now it's okay. So there haven't been, other than that, there haven't been a lot of rules. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty free with me. So I'll just, I'll make things up. I'll notate it. Um, sometimes it makes it in. Sometimes it doesn't. If it doesn't make it in, I don't know if it's be if it's because you know. Sometimes it might be because someone in the story group said, "Hey, I don't like this. Scratch that out." <laughs> right. Other times it's because while we're writing it, they're also doing the layout and design at the same time. So sometimes they say, "Hey, you've got you know a thousand words for these two pages." Um, so I'll send them a thousand words, but sometimes they'll change it around and they'll only have room for 800 words. So they'll cut it, some of that out or sometimes they'll make more room and they'll say, Hey, Adam, we got to have you write 200 more words. And so I'll throw some more things in. So, yeah, sometimes I don't know why something doesn't make it in. Sometimes I wish I did. If it doesn't make it in some, if I write another book on the same topic, sometimes I'll try to work that stuff in and see what happens. We've got several more questions over on Facebook. I know you're going to say something, Steve. If you want to, uh, no, no, no. I was just looking at some of these questions, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy to get to some of them. They're going to be fun. Yeah, I'm just going to kind of. Uh, I know they're, they're kind of all over the place on some different ones. But that's that's, yeah. the, that's a good time for me. I love random. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, our good buddy Jim Arcudi, um, which is a, a big part of our cantina, uh, he's got a question for you. It says, "Do you have a favorite creature?" or species in Star Wars? And if so, which one? Um, I probably have lots of them. Uh, I love, I love the Ewoks, like I said, um, and uh, of them probably Wicket. Uh, but, you know, I love, I love those Cantina aliens, those, those classic ones, you know, the, the, the original Cantina action figures, the Greedo, the Hammerhead, um, the walrus man and uh, snaggletooth um, anything that was in the cantina there so I get all excited you know naturally when, with the Mandalorian whenever um, they throw these in there um, yeah uh, you know there's droids too like uh, you know I love um, Jabba's palace the torture droid and the, the overseer droid so you know clearly Clearly, Dave and uh, John Favreau do as well because they're they they're prominent. <laughs> and, yeah, didn't he walk by an eight D eight at some yeah, point in a, in a right. recent episode? Yeah, yeah. And then and then the EV ninety nine was a bartender in the cantina. <laughs> you're a yeah. feisty little droid, but you'll soon learn some respect. <laughs> that leads into another question because you know, we're talking about it. Uh, Robert uh, over on the Facebook said, side says. What's your biggest thrill from the new Mandalorian series so far? Ooh, there's so much of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah What's your biggest thrill not named Gina Carano? <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Well, she's like my whole world now. Oh, okay. Um, well, with Gina to the side, and I'm going to put Baby Yoda to the, to the side. Um You know, this is hard to settle, you know, settle on one or, or even two things. Um, I love the first season, but there were a couple couple episodes in the middle that were kind of slow. 
Um, I think the slowest one for me was that one where he he teams up with those other mercenaries and they you know they go break the brother out. And the, um, it was probably the the my least favorite. Um, but with this season, it's like everything is perfect. It's like there's nothing I would change. Every episode gives me like a whole world that I've always wanted, a whole world of Star Wars. Um, so it's it's hard to pick. Um, I, you know, one of the things coming to my head right now is just that the Gina Carano episode, uh, <laughs> that, that scene where the, I, I love that whole episode so much, but that scene where they're escaping, uh, the base with that action, with those, those speeder bikes coming down the hill and, most yeah. of them crashing and exploding right. in yeah, torrents yeah. of fire. Um, and then the speeder bike chase um, and the TIE fighters coming down. Yes. That's that's some of the most exciting action we've had since the original trilogy. I mean, yeah, it absolutely. is. And it's, and it's so authentic. All those sounds. Um, and some of it's original and some of it's tweaked a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's beautiful. The sounds of those speeders. Um, and just, I just, I love that haphazard crashing down the hill. Yep. I mean, yep. it just, it, everything in it was so, so perfect right on. And then the ship spinning and baby Yoda <laughs> down like a roller coaster at a theme park. I mean, who didn't love that? And then he, um, then he, and baby Yoda, recog- his recognition of his name and this, that little noise mm. and his ears perk up. That was the cutest thing I've ever seen him do. Yeah. Um, there's, just, there's so much to love in this show. Yeah. It's, it's definitely been a, a, a surprise and, and just a happy surprise. Um, because, you know, I, Lucas and I've talked about this off air. I've talked about this a little bit on air. Um, you know, your reaction to episode two was my reaction to episode seven and then an even harder reaction to episode eight. Mm -hmm. And, um, and by the time I got to episode nine, I was just so beat down that I loved it. I I, I was just like, (laughs) I'll take this. This is great. And just, and I'm still, I'm such a sucker. I listen, I know they watched end game and said, we want to do end game, but with star Wars characters. And so you got no Poe, we're all here with you. We're all here. But that moment still, when I see all those ships show up, I'm yeah. like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen on film. But man, Mandalorian has just been such a joy for a Star Wars fan like me that just, I don't want to say I was disillusioned, but I was just kind of like, okay, I guess it's passed me by. And for them to come back around, it's been so much fun. Everything yeah, about it's been so good. It was funny because Steve and I had got to know each other in the midst of his, his disillusionment, I guess you could say. <laughs> and, uh, so he went and saw episode nine and we were kind of going back and forth. So I called him and I said, Steve, what do you think? He goes, I loved it with my whole heart. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. And, and I was on a high afterwards. I did love it with my whole heart. I recognize now that it's not the best thing in the world, but like everything that people complain about is what I loved about it so much. Like right. I love the quest aspect of it. I love the MacGuffin yeah. aspect of it. Right. It's like if they could have done this from seven on, if they, if this would have yeah. been what this story was, Right. I, you know, but ultimately you've got, I, it's like, I don't know what J.J. Abrams watched that came before what he made, but he wa- he was watching a whole different Star Wars than we were watching to come yeah. out with episode nine. And I just, I, I really just came away like this is, this is 
all right, if this is how this trilogy has to end, then I'll accept it. And I really just had such a good time with it. But Mandalorian has been so much more than even that for me. Like you talk about just the little moments, like with Baby Yoda, with his hands raised like he's in a in a roller coaster, and then he throws up a little bit. Yes, yeah, it's just, it's good times. I, anyhow, I'm sorry, I geeked out a little bit there. Another oh, question no. uh, from the Facebook side. Um, this is from Ricardo. Um, what's your favorite expanded universe character not yet canon? Ooh. Hmm. Is there one? I mean, uh, Ricardo, he's a big fan of uh, Mary Jade. Hmm. He says, bring her to canon. Well, now that now that Lucas isn't or a task to do there, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that now that Lucas isn't involved, George Lucas isn't involved. They could bring Mara Jade in, but you know, Lucas did not like Mara Jade. George Lucas. No, uh-uh. he was he's not a fan. I heard he was a big fan of uh, Darth Talon, though. Yeah, yeah, that's supposedly. Yeah, well, I mean, if if what we're seeing about there was something that leaked out about like his original treatment mm-hmm. that like Darth Maul was going to end up being the villain of the trilogy of the sequel trilogy ultimately. And Darth Talon was going to be a part of that. And, yeah. you know, and she's from, was it the legacy comics with Cade Skywalker? Um, they're legends material now, but there was dark horse had the legacy and it was like one of Luke's descendants. And he was trying to resist being a Jedi and all this stuff. And like you had ghost Luke show up and everything. And, Anyway, I'm rambling again, but yeah, she was uh, a Twi'lek Sith uh, person. So, um, but apparently, like Darth Maul was going to be involved in stuff. Did you guys hear about that? You, I don't. I think I heard the guys on RFR talking about. It's all I've heard. Yeah, there's some art, um, and I don't know where the art came from. If it's because I don't have these last few art books mm-hmm. for the movies. I don't know if it's in. Uh, I don't know if it's in the movie art book, or I don't, I don't know if lately they've been giving permission for some of the concept artists to release previously unpublished art mm. on their social media, and I don't know if it's one of those things, um, or maybe um, there's also a Star Wars archives book that's coming out. And there's some previously unreleased images in that. I don't know if it's something that's coming out of that, maybe. Um, I There's a lot that's been said about um, George Lucas's plans. Right. Um, what he was going to do uh, with what he wanted to do with the new trilogy. And what I found was the things that's being said officially now doesn't always match the things that were officially said um, just around the time of the force awakens coming out. Right. Um, They're like their plans for the trilogy and how much of George has, was consulted and what his role was and whether things had been planned out or they were making them up as they went, that story kind of changed. Um, 
I feel like it has. Like they're they're not the messaging is different now than it was five years ago. So I dare I say uh, I don't know what I want to say. Just <laughs> diplomatically. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. But, don't 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 get yourself in any trouble. Uh, it's just yeah. it's just interesting some of the things that have that have come out. And I was surprised to see the name Darth Talon thrown around because of where she comes from. But here's an interesting point of fact at star Wars celebration five in the press kit, they hunt, they handed out to people like me who I'd somehow got a press pass that year. Um, or maybe I didn't get a press pass that year. Maybe it was the next time I went, I got a press pass, but I got in the press room and got a press kit and everything. But there was a piece of art with Darth Talon on it. Like it was some type of, but I think it was just like, here, here's a free gift of, from us to you. Um, but her being kind of, and, and not even the main villain, she was kind of like the second tier villain of that legacy series. When I heard that name thrown about, I'm like, this can't be real because George Lucas never was invested in any of that dark horse comic stuff. He never, you know, like, if you said, hey, do you know who Darth Revan is? You're like, ah, some Darth, some fan made up, I guess. You know, like, yeah. you know, but uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how legit that stuff is at all. But, you know, Disney has tried to, they've gone back and forth a lot. And I'll say this so you don't have to, Adam, or, or say, and I don't even know if you want to say this or agree with this. You don't even have to sign on what I'm about to say. Disney has has backed themselves into a corner with with original fans over the past five years to where they've they've tried to alienate them, you know, thinking, well, they'll just take whatever we give them. Um, They've tried to kind of silence them where they're like, you know, well, uh, we'll just try, you know, we'll let we'll we'll amplify all the voices that are totally pro us and none the critical voices. And now it's kind of like, well, if we just make them happy, they won't complain. (laughs) And and so I think when it kind of came out that there was no overarching plan that um, that they truly truly did just you know hand from one writer director to the next to the next you know and it's one thing to say well that's how George Lucas did it but George Lucas was one man writing the story you know he wasn't he wasn't handing off and so like whereas Kasdan was writing the treatment and the script for for Empire Strikes Back George Lucas had the final say the buck stopped with him and he wrote the entire prequel trilogy you know so it's just like i i just look at that and i say you know he also for all these years had this 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 Star Wars bible that he had made notes in that he went by he had the skeletal outline he didn't have all the information filled in. Obviously, if you look at the early treatments of the original Star Wars to what we actually got, there's a lot that's changed, and then there's a lot of things that get recycled down the road. But I don't even think they had an outline of where they were headed with the sequel trilogy. And I think that those cracks show, you know, and I and I think that um and and there's a lot of things that go along. I don't want to turn this into a sequel bash because I'm not trying to bash the sequels. But I do think that I think that it was harder than they thought it would be to right. to come away and and add to the myth of Star Wars, yeah, and and do it effectively. Well, so. what I would add to, like like you said, is exactly right. That with George Lucas, he changed his mind, and he some things he made up as he went. But it was one man; it was his singular vision. 
and that's how you create something. Mm -hmm. If you look at um, Tolkien uh, and his Middle Earth, there is a new set of books. It's it's republishing an old old set, and I desperately want it, but I can't justify spending the money right now. Um, it's like hundred and thirty dollars. It's this mm. like multi volume set that his son Christopher had compiled of the history of the making of Middle Earth, wow. and it's thousands and thousands yeah. of pages. It's like ten volumes, and each one is as big as the Lord of the Rings. Right, and just the history of how Tolkien changed his mind and changed things around and came up with everything. Um, and it's got, you know, it's got a lot of like part, bits and pieces of partially unfinished stories that nothing ever came of, or Christopher's since written new books um, that are credited to his father in the last 20 years or so. Um, but that's how these things are done. Mm -hmm. So yeah, of course, George changed his mind, but he was one man, his vision with the, the, um, new trilogy you've as it stands now you've got two men and mm -hmm. two men's vision it was going to be three men and three men's right. vision yeah but um we ended up with two well and they're distinctly and, and the problem is they're distinctly different visions yeah they are different um and you can clearly see jj was going in one direction and rian was like well i want to go a different direction so yeah. he change things and jj when he got it he's like well now that i've got it back i want to go, go back, back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's it's clearly yeah it's it's okay. it's i mean like and that's where to go back to something we were talking about earlier that's where i really want these stories told in the same way with the same detail that we have the making of star wars and empire and and jedi i i think that there is a fascinating story to be told behind the scenes the warts and all of the making of this sequel trilogy and 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 I think that that I think for for some people it would it would shed light and give them understanding and make them more sympathetic for others it would shed some light and give them a more realistic view and help them understand where some original fans are coming from so that they would find that common ground because I think that in trying to put makeup on it and make it a pretty princess situation, you know, that Disney is is missing a really golden opportunity just to say, here's what happened, everybody, you know, enjoy and, you know, and let us see it and then let the fans just break it down because that's what, listen, since the original Star Wars, that's what they've been doing. They've been devouring behind the scenes. They, like I'm not a fan, we've been devouring the behind the scenes stuff, you know, I mean, from, from the get-go. We wanted, like, no one knew about concept art and storyboards and all this other stuff until Star Wars came along and people just wanted to know, how do they do that? How, what, you know, right. what are the, and, and, uh, and, and so Star Wars really is that door opener for a lot of people that wanted to get into cinema, wanted to get into this, wanted to write books, wanted to do all kinds of things. And it's just, it's, it's really, I think that they're missing an opportunity to tell a, to tell an intriguing story and intriguing and they can still put their spin on it but i think they should just show as many warts and all as they can and and just be honest with folks because when you have the original creator sitting back and saying things like george lucas said early on you know obviously there was some unhappiness there but anyhow that's that's again i've gotten way off that's what i do on geek out loud and that's why lucas should never let me on his channel all right we got another question uh this uh, this one's from michael nip again it says if lucas film were to ask uh, you to write a story 
uh, for uh, a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi. We know we've had the, the other two, which have been good. Uh, what character would uh, you want to write about and why? Um, <clears throat> well, I think uh, I could do a couple of them. Maybe take one of the baby Ewoks and uh, <laughs> maybe s- s- some kind of trouble they get in while the party's going on and they get off uh, behind the scene. Um, or uh, I love to do uh, a story on Jabba the Hutt when the camera's not on him, you know, like <laughs> what does he do when he's, he's got, you know, a throne room full of guests and he's got to pee or something, you know, <laughs> how, how is he getting <laughs> All right, I almost almost did a whole spit take. I'm sitting there taking a sip of coffee, and and I'm like, "What is Jabba doing? He's got a pierce." You know, how does he get down the hall to the bathroom, or or does he? Well, 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 yeah. I would like to see a story about Max Rebo. And the gig that they gave up to be at Jabba's palace and eventually on Jabba's cell barge that day, oh, yeah. you know, and then like we should have been at, you know, as as they hear that cannon fire, you know, up up on the top deck, is he thinking we should have we should have stayed in Moss Eisley or we you know we should have gone to Moss Espa or whatever the case may be, you know, um, I even hear they were doing something out at Moss Pelago or whatever that place was called, yeah, you know, like that's that like what. You know, we know Cy Snoodles isn't a nice person from her little stint on Clone Wars. Right. But is Max Rebo a bad dude? I just have a hard time believing that dude's a bad dude, you know? He seems like a cool guy. He does. He really does. <laughs> old Max Rebo, old blue man. Uh, let's see. We got a, another one kind of, um, let's see. This is from Kimberly Smith. And this is more, um, I guess you could say, real life fan fan world. She says, Adam, when are you coming back to Cherry Capital Con? When they start again, that is. <laughs> ah, let's see. Uh, Cherry Capital, that's in, uh, I think that's the Traverse one. Yeah. Um, I would love to, you know. I, uh, with all this COVID and stuff, I figured it wasn't going to happen, happen last spring anyway, so I didn't bother. I, I have... I always have trouble scheduling my stuff. I, I, as a freelancer, uh, nothing in my life is planned very well. I never know what I'm doing that far in advance. So I hate planning. The problem with conventions is they like you to plan like sometimes a year in advance, you know, set up, get your table and make your reservations. And I really hate, hate making plans that early. So by the time I always ask them, they're always filled up and they don't have any tables. So, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to come out there again if, if we ever have conventions again. I, I have my doubts that there will be any conventions this spring or summer. If I would bet on it, I would say that there won't be any. Mm. I don't mean to disparage the plans of conventions, you know, because I fully support y'all guys. Um, but I don't think there's going to be any public events this spring mm. for definitely not. And I, I doubt there will be any this summer. Yeah. So, you know, along those lines, how has obviously everything with the pandemic affected you? Because obviously part of it is, you know, conventions and 
signings and things like that. How have you been able to kind of navigate these times? It's been pretty terrible. That's um, the, that's the, that's probably been the biggest thing that impacts me um, because especially I like to do um, book signings at uh, my local movie theaters around the holiday season, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And anytime there's a big Marvel movie or a star Wars movie, I'll do a three or a four day weekend. I'll sit there all day at the local movie theater and I'll sign books. Um, And I really depended on that for um, supplemental income because, you know, Everybody here is writers, you know, we're one of the worst paid professions and it doesn't matter what your topic is unless you're JK Rowling or George R. R. Martin, you're not getting rich for what you do mm. um, and not for licensed publishing either. Um, so I really depended on those things, um, you know, and conventions too, where I could fit them in. So having everything canceled and closed um, is really terrible for me. Mm. Um, it's a it's a big loss to income um, and no way to recuperate it. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, on the writing book side too, um, it's a problem because, um, you know, most people buy their stuff online, but they, their books, but they still in this day and age would go to a bookstore to look, you know, flip through it and decide what they want to buy, you know, get their hands on it and have a look, and then they'll get on their cell phone and order it. Um, but it's still fed by going to a bookstore. It's still fed by impulses in that way, even if it's indirectly or an extra step. And so by having all the bookstores closed for several months and then scaring everybody so they're too afraid to go to a bookstore, um, that really hurts because uh, it, it hurts book sales, um, which isn't such a direct hit to me. But if the books aren't selling, then they're not going to print more books. They're going to slow down the printing. And then that's where I get hurt is I'm not going to get hired to write as many new books um, because the publishers are afraid in, in the, this next season that they might not have a good way to sell them. So. So it's a big hit to me, um, and I would presume uh, so other other writers and probably other artists. All those all those artists in the artist alleys at uh, conventions. This has to be terrible for them. Um, for comic books too, I know. You know, I in the past I've had subscriptions. I don't have subscriptions to anything right now this year, but. Um, I know they canceled or postponed a lot of comic books uh, earlier this year, just um, stopped publishing for mm-hmm. several weeks or months or whatever. So that's going to hit all of them too. So uh, the best way people can help me is to order books directly from me, um, sign copies. Uh, that's a good way. They can contact me over social media. Um, that's the only real way I have around this. Well, and I know we had communicated uh, a little bit about the books you had available. So what we'll probably do after we get done here tonight and those those that are listening and watching, we'll have that list available on a, a post in the cantina. You know, obviously tag you in that and that way they can message you directly uh, to get well, those. A lot of guys have expressed interest in that. 
Um, well, thank you. Yeah, that helps. And I can't, I mean, in all seriousness, I can't commend enough to everyone that, that some of these, some of these books are just, they're very thorough. They're very fun reads. And they're the kind of read where you don't have to sit down and go straight through. Like you can just open them up and, and there's generally something of interest to read. Like if you just, you know, are sitting somewhere for a few minutes, you know, and you got, you know, a few minutes just to thumb through it's, it's those types of books. Or if you want to sit and pour over every page and every word, they're, they're good for that too. It's good information. It's fun information. Um, I know from time to time on the podcast, I will pull down one of these books and be like a reading from ultimate star Wars, a new edition. I'll just open up to a random page and read, you know, some random fact about someone or something. So it's uh, always good when he's got the action figure there too, though. Yeah. Yeah. He'll have the action figure on camera and then he'll come back to himself with a dramatic reading. Oh, that's it's, true. Yeah. I did use the Marvel really encyclopedia to talk about, um, union Jack. Oh yeah, that was, that yeah, that was awesome on my on my YouTube feed. So, so I just and now you've got me wanting to play with toys. Oh, uh, so, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy, this is the, this is the Marvel Legends Beetle. He was in the Vulture Wave of the for the big rig for the Marvel Cinematic Universe Vulture. Mm-hmm. So Jim Arcudi over on the Facebook side said he loved the books he got from you. I know he y'all did some trading for that Cad Bane. Yeah, yeah, he hooked me up with uh, Cad Bane and Toto 360, so that was awesome. Yeah, I loved it. I'm happy to do those kind of trades. <laughs> hey, I really could use the uh, supplemental income here, but if you want to trade toys, I'll take that too. <laughs> I'm all in. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Hey, those, a- those exclusives are hard to get. Those yeah. the ones that were meant for conventions. Yep. Yeah, they sell out in seconds. Well, even if you, even if we actually had a convention, we were going to there uh, these days. They're hard, Adam. I remember at Star Wars Celebration, I think at, at both five and six down in Orlando, um, I walked right up to the Hasbro booth, and on like the third day, and was able to get in. I mean, there wasn't a long line; it wasn't crazy. Snag the uh, snag the exclusives for that weekend and whatever else I wanted, just like that, you know. And then the next year, literally, the next year or so, it was like impossible um, yeah. at the various What's cons the and years stuff. On those, Steve, What's, what happened between those two years? Um, well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, Celebration six was 2015, I believe. Okay. Um, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, 2012. When was the when was the sale announced? That was October two thousand twelve. The sale to Disney was announced, right? Um, let me double check because it was earlier that year that it um, that it that it happened that it that it that Celebration Six happened because it was at that um, it was at that celebration. Yeah, so it was two thousand twelve in October October thirty two thousand twelve. It got announced to the public. That celebration was earlier that year, and that celebration, Mark Hamill was there, Carrie Fisher was there, like literally everybody but Harrison Ford was there, and there were the rumors that, um, well, they even talked about, like Mark's like, yeah, we went and had lunch with George, it was a great time, you know, and and I and so I started, there was a big announcement that was supposed to be made at the closing ceremonies of Star Wars Celebration Six. And we're standing in line, and I went on record with friends, and I did this all weekend long. I'm like, well, you know what's going to happen at the closing ceremonies. 
George is going to walk you, out. You keep going. I got to run to the, the, the little boys room. All right, right Jabba. Back. All right, Jabba, you do that. Um, I kept saying, telling people George is going to come out on stage, the closing ceremonies, and he's going to say seven, eight, nine, and he's going to drop the mic and walk away. And the whole place is just going to go nuts. They're just going to erupt. Well, they showed that year. They showed they they showed three D footage from Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith because this was when they were going to release the entire saga in three D in theaters. Two and three are done. I don't. I know they were working on four and five and six, but anyhow, they had footage from two and three. Looked wonderful. It looked incredible. And everyone's cool. And then they their big announcement was we're going to Germany for Star Wars Celebration Europe. That was the big announcement. Uh, and everyone was kind of let down. And I remember walking out of there thinking, you know, I'd even got myself a little hyped up that it was going to be seven, eight, and nine because of all the circumstances and everything. Well, then you turn around just a couple of months later, and Lucasfilm has sold to Disney for four billion dollars, and they're announcing that uh, they'll be proceeding with Star Wars episodes seven, eight, and nine. And, and apparently George had talked to like, there's a whole timeline that goes on, but George had secured Mark and Carrie for the, the sequel trilogy. In fact, Mark was saying how he was kind of going to, going to kind of hold out and Carrie talked him into it. She's like, come on, what else are you going to do? You know, come on. And, um, and, and so, you know, the big thing was, could we get Harrison on board? And and they apparently had so there. That's why I'm saying the behind the scenes stuff of all the sale and all the making of those things would be very because by that time, Michael Arndt had been brought on by George to do the treatments for seven, eight, and nine. And I really do think that either he was going to announce the sale to Disney and it just hadn't been finished. There's Yoda, and it had Amidala costume change here. <laughs> I really do think that either the original intention was to announce the sale, but they didn't have everything finalized or to announce the sequel trilogy, but the, the, the wheels on the sale had gotten put into motion and he just couldn't. And so instead it was like, we're going to Germany for celebration Europe. And it was like, Oh, what a letdown. But, um, but yeah, so that would have been 2012 when that was, and then 2010 was celebration five. And so you're talking about the only thing that was happening in Star Wars during that time was the Clone Wars, the series. And and I mean, and Filoni was a superstar at these things. And it was mm-hmm. and it was good times. But I, you know, literally the next year at a convention, at a Comic-Con, I tried to get someone to run and snag me the whatever exclusive Hasbro was doing at Comic-Con because I wasn't out there. And I think Erish did score me a, a an exclusive, whatever the exclusive was. Um that year but like after that it was like done like you just don't expect it no no one out there they had to do lotteries to even get in line you know anymore and so the collecting community blew up between you know 2012 and 2015 right yeah it's like i i've even um gotten stuff off ebay and uh i I didn't even know I was buying a convention exclusive, but I get right. it. And there's a little sticker of, you know, yeah. celebration exclusive. And it's like, cause all this older stuff, it, I don't, maybe now it's different, but it was really easy to get mm-hmm. even online. You know, yep. there was no, it wasn't more expensive, but Oh yeah. They would go, stuff. 
Yeah, they would go and have online <clears throat> shops after celebration just to try to unload the rest of the yeah. the rest of the stuff. And there were things there were things at the start the celebration store I would pass up just because I didn't want to pay that price for them. They had a basket at Star Wars Celebration Six. They had a basket of baby Ewoks. And I and I had to pass it up because I just did, couldn't pay fifty bucks for it. But I mean, it was like right. I wanted it so bad I couldn't stand it. You know, <laughs> um, I, I want the Baby Yoda, Baby Ewok, Buddy Cop movie. That's what I want. <laughs> Roku and uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. what? Well, kind of going back to the Mando because we had another question. And I know we're kind of yeah. coming up against the the time here. Um, where was it? Uh, so this being said, you know, we, we had this massive episode this past week. It was just, you know, so much content. I don't know about you guys, you know, we have another Mando dropping tomorrow and I really haven't, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but it hasn't been that, like that itch when, what's, when's it coming? Cause there's been so much to digest from this right. last one. Yep. So, uh, but a question that was in the feed, uh, I think by Kimberly, uh, let's see if I can find it again. What uh, along the way, you know, season one, season two, what moment has, I guess, surprised you the most? Where you heard, you saw it and you're just like, did that just happen? I cannot believe that in The Mandalorian. What about it? I mean, there's been a lot. I'm just like, wow, we finally see this or hear this or whatever. Well, <clears throat> The Baby Yoda reveal, of course, that was definitely, that was the big one, I guess. Because um, I don't think, you know, we never, I don't think anybody expected that. Um, I don't know if that any of that leaked out or not. Um, I just, we all, I think we all just kind of never thought we'd go there with, with more of these Yoda critters. These uh, so Yoda critters. A big deal. That's right. <laughs> I mean, just to think about, I mean, like you said, the Yoda critters seeing another one. And now we see a Mandalorian that is like his dad, you know, talking to red wire, blue wire. Okay. Are you okay? You know, doing the mom move and wiping him his face while he's driving the razor crest. We, whoever thought we would have saw that and then loved it when we saw it. Mm -hmm. so. uh, okay. Also, I want the baby Yoda, baby group team up team up movie as well. Because yeah. that, because that whole scene was was Baby Groot with the wires and everything. Right. Press this button, then press this button. Don't press this button. Now tell me that again. I, mean, I am Groot. <laughs> I am Groot. I am Groot. <laughs> no. So, well, I yeah. think that's most of the questions we got on the Facebook side. Yeah. Well, we didn't have anyone show up in Mixler because no one likes to geek out loud anymore. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's fine. It happens. <laughs> um. Adam, I you know back to back, I want to talk to you just about collecting in general, and, right. and well, and also there's something you mentioned. We were talking beforehand uh, before we went live, and and we haven't really we've talked a lot of Star Wars. We haven't touched on the Marvel side of things very much. Um, a lot of your writing uh, pertained, especially early on, like you knew Marvel more from the movies at that point. But and so a lot of the research you did, you talked about like Kang, for example. You, you've never really read comics with him in it, but you know him because of the research you had to do to write his entry in, in the encyclopedia and everything. But then you confessed something before we got going that you've actually, your goal, or you're kind of a completionist when it comes to uh, versions of Spider-Man, uh, Marvel Legends figures. 
And and you're are you have you got a pretty much complete run right now? Where are you where are you standing with that? Yeah, I'm I'm complete with um, the Spider-Man Marvel Legends. I I I started with um, uh, I think they're still continuing the packaging. I started with this kind of this the advent of this the clamshell sort of the, packaging. The black with, window packaging, or. Yeah, like yeah, that. Kind of yeah, I, I love that design. I I sure hope they never change that. Because well, I tell you, a- I don't. Obviously, then you weren't collecting back in the toy biz days with right, Marvel Legends. No, I I actually I started with um, what was it? The Spider Man Two. I think that that Spider Man Two and the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. Um, Winter Soldier figures—they all came out about the same time. I think, I think they were the first ones in these packaging. So that—that's where I started. I don't have uh, any of the prior stuff. Well, this is this is what they used to come in in the toy biz days, and you ah, see, this yeah. is an abomination figure. But like, you can't tell it really, I guess. But these things here are all—it's sealed. It's one big plastic clamshell sealed, and gotcha. like to get into these things. It, I mean, it took an act. You had to get like a acetylene torch and like, you know, cut through and stuff. They were so they were so frustrating to get into. Um, but back in the toy biz days, and then Hasbro had some very weird packaging for a while there. But I'm like you, I like this black packaging, especially now that they've got like this great art on the side here. Um, you know, the right. comic book art and everything. That's a oh, great they've picture, done that King. With the Star Wars Black Series now too. Yes, yeah, the Star Wars Black Series. They they've done that way too. Um, do you have a favorite version of, of the Spider-Man stuff that you've picked up? Um, you know, I really like, I really like the basic, uh, uh, classic ones. Um, like the, the pizza Spider-Man, yeah. the first one they came out with, um, it's hard to improve on that. They, uh, it's a, it's kind of a, a lankier, scrawnier version. Um, right, but it it's it's really good, and they they've done a new one with a new uh, a new model um, with this retro on the retro card. Right, um, and that that one's really good too. Uh, but it's a, it, he's got a different build to his body. He's a, he's a little oh, heavier. I, so. I didn't realize that. I don't like that Peter Parker they did on the retro card. There's something about his glasses that kind of I don't. Yeah, I thought the glasses were going to come off too, but yeah. they they can lift lift up but they're they're glued to his head i was a little disappointed in that because they've done other figures where right. the glasses will, will come off they did like a um a, what, what's her name the nightingale the one she was on agents of shield but this is the comic book version of her and her glasses come off so. right I, i've got an old thing that was like in the trench coat and the hat of course this is the toy biz days again but he, he had sunglasses that came off. The Professor Hulk figure from back in the Toy Biz days, he had glasses that would come off. Oh, yeah. As far as the retro Spider-Man stuff goes, this dude right here, I was so excited to have an Electro come yeah. about because he's, he's, to me, a classic villain. And did you pick up the Mysterio? I did, yes. yeah, because I, I missed him the first time around. So this I one, got him on the card. Yeah, this I one's just as good. I almost to buy a second one to take it off the card. <laughs> but I'm, Oh, I just, I, ri- I ripped mine one. open, man. I, I'm, yeah. I'm an opener. I don't care. It's like, yeah. I, I've i got, unless it's these, these, these vintage collection cards, because I like the way the Star Wars vintage collection displays. Um, right. the, the I mean, like, I've not found the card 
of uh, of these retro things. They, they they don't. I remember when they started to come out in the early nineties, but I don't have the attachment to them where I just love them so much. And I want the figure to be to breathe. I also picked right. up. I don't have them here with me to grab. But I did pick up the Green Goblin from the Retro Wave. I yeah. really like that Goblin. There, I, I, his eyes have something going on. That I'm not too too thrilled with, but he's he poses real well on his glider, and and you can put the pumpkin bomb in his hand like he's getting ready to throw it and everything. I really dig that one too. Jim over on the Facebook side, uh, he said that he's got scars from those uh, Toy Biz plastic. Yes, bags. yeah, you could <laughs> you could you could slice your arm open trying to get into those things, and then once you did. They had so many points of art. Like, Toy Biz was like, we're going to put as many points of articulation on these things as you can. And they would actually have fingers individually articulated wow. on some things. No, they couldn't hold on to anything. Like, you couldn't make <laughs> them grip anything, you know. Finally, when they came along with this guy, this old Deathlock here, um, I had him because he was part of the Build-A-Figure Galactus wave. The first ever Build-A-Figure was Galactus. And he was part of that wave. I don't have any attached with the Deathlock, but they had pegs in his hand. And you could actually clip the gun in that he carries there uh, on the peg. Um, but now they've got that cy- that uh, cyborg Spider-Man Target mm-hmm. exclusive coming out. Right. Which, I mean, can we complain about Target exclusives for a minute? <laughs> and there's a great cover from back in the day of uh, on the comics of Spider-Man and Deathlock back-to-back. And it's Cyborg Spider-Man back-to-back with Deathlock. And I just want that up on my shelf now. I'm like, I've got a Deathlock. Right. I want to get the cyborg Spider-Man. I want to put him side by side. That's what I want out of life now. See, <laughs> see, that's what I want. See. So. <laughs> I am so frustrated with the Target exclusives. It's a, it's a weird, it's a, it's a weird thing. I don't understand the, 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 the business model. I don't understand. Um, I don't understand the motivation. Obviously, Hasbro's getting something out of the deal. You know. Uh, but I just don't understand the business model where here's how many you have pre-orders go up and within 30 seconds pre-orders are sold out. Obviously Target and Hasbro both see there's a demand, you know, kick it up a little bit. Uh, you're leaving money. To me, if I'm there as a, as a business that's manufacturing these things, and again, I don't know the business model well enough to, I, I'm right now I'm speaking as an uneducated dork about stuff I don't really know. But to me, Adam, it seems like you're leaving money on the table if people want something and you don't have it there for them to buy. Right. I mean, it's clearly, clearly what they're doing is deliberate too, because you see the same pattern again and again with each figure. I, I don't under, maybe I don't have good business sense, but I don't understand why they think it works, but they, they clearly they put open up the pre-orders and have a very tiny amount that they're offering and then they shut it off. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't believe for a second that it sells out. No, no, I, I don't either. I don't, not for a second. They they have decided after whether it's after a little time period or after a certain number of orders, they arbitrarily shut it off. Yeah. And then they wait whether it's the street date or an arbitrary date they've picked, then they open it up a little bit. And clearly they're releasing just a few, just a few figures at a time and then shut it off. Yeah. And then an hour or two later, they'll do it again. Yeah. One or two figures, shut it off. Hour or two later, do it again. They started at midnight. I've noticed mm. at midnight, every night 
and we'll do it every few hours and then stop by about noon the next day. And they'll do that for several weeks yep. before they'll, then they'll, they'll open it up and they'll sell larger and, chunks. And, but it's clearly, it's clearly not about the popular, the specific popularity or demand of the figure. Cause they do it with every single yeah. one. And God bless you. If you think you're going to find them on the shelf at target, right? Yeah. you know, but then you have situations like, the the retro collection, the Star Wars retro collection, that Tarkin board game with the retro collection, they're showing up in Ollie's in places now, secondhand, you know, like for seven bucks, eight bucks at Ollie's now in different places. And it's like, well, these were Target exclusives. They had so many, they could just dump them off. They had to sell them off as excess, you know. It, it's very confusing to me. It's a very confusing yeah. thing, and I and I just don't understand the the business side of that and how that works. I mean, I guess you're trying to create a false demand situation. So, um, yeah, it's bizarre, and it actually it it killed the retro collection for me. Mm. Um, I just decided not not to do it. Yeah, um, I do have the Mandalorian retro collection on on pre order yes, because sir. they're just so cool. Yes, I have sir. to have them regardless. But because it was impossible to find the retros, mm-hmm. um, I only I never saw I never could get any at Target. I even drove two hours to look for them because mm-hmm. their wet stupid website said they had them when they didn't. Um, well, apparently there are employee shenanigans going on. When that, when the there, I think there is too. I've I've gone there with other things where the website will say it's there, and I'll have to find different employees to go to go find it. And I, yeah, I've heard that they're like stashing them and stuff. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, but yeah, so so it it can get a little frustrating. But man, when you make that find in the wild, or when you've got someone that can hook you up, like our own Jim Arcudi here in the group, you know and uh, Jim, I feel I'm afraid Jim's just gonna hate me because every time I see something new, I'm like, "Hey Jim, Jim, hey Jim, <laughs> what about this thing? What about this thing? You know this guy." And so I'm sure I'm gonna get on Jim's nerves before it's all said and done. So I try not yeah. to. What though, man? Jim can work some magic. You know, talking about those Target exclusives. I mean, he. Oh, yeah. I don't know how he does it, but he can get on there and get that stuff. Uh, well. The great thing that they're doing now, well, now that we can see that they're doing is uh, like with uh, the Gamorrean guard, this was a target exclusive. He was impossible to get. I don't think he was ever offered on the target website that I know of. Um, I don't think it ever became available. Right. That's kind of, I think that's been a, in a COVID thing where they start, where they've started doing the website pre-orders, isn't it? Like that's, that's come about since COVID. Um, did it be they would well they would put it on their website but i don't know if they would ever some of them like this guy i don't think they ever took orders for him he right. was on the website right. but then just no way to order them and then they took it down so the only way i got it was from friends getting it for him mm-hmm. but this like a lot of other figures um hasbro then you know a year later or two years later it will sell them at through another retailer. Right. Um, GameStop gets a lot of previously Target or previously Disney store exclusives. So, so I, I've come to realize, you know, if there's a figure you want, you didn't get, never pay, you know, the premium, the, you know, the scalper price, because 
if a friend doesn't get it for you, you're you're going to be able to get it through another retailer mm. if you just wait a year or two. And it's going to be in the same original packaging even too. It's not going to be a repack. So, yeah, you don't have to worry too much. Right. As long as it's not like something really obscure, like a, the convention exclusives, you might right. not you're right. not going to see that little extra piece maybe. But. Well, that's the thing, even with like your convention exclusives, like uh, I remember 2016, whatever celebration was going on that year, it was the black series, Obi-Wan. He had a table with a light up holographic lay and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, I really want that. And then a few months later, it was just Obi-Wan, but there he was, you know, just in regular packaging and that sort of thing. But yeah, they'll, they'll you might not get like the little piece, like with the Cad Bane, you're not going to get the Toto necessarily, but you can still get your Cad Bane, hopefully, you know, depending on where right. he shows up. And the other thing that gets frustrating is just, of course, let's not get on the frustrating thing. I get confused about the way things are released and how they're distributed and that sort of thing as well. Because you see different things that people have out in the wild and you see where on some certain websites are still on pre-order or, you know, or somehow you missed it, you know. And it's just like, how does, how does this even work? Like, I don't even yeah. understand the whole process a lot of times and so that's why i'm thankful for this group that we've got at the chewy's cantina because man i tell you it's uh it really helps when you've got people looking out for you when it comes to collecting and stuff right it's a good group here um a lot of a lot of cool things that you know we've got going on in the cantina and you know i'm thankful we got the community that we have around it you know from you know as he mentioned jim a bunch of other guys that you just kind of post out there or let them know hey i'm looking for this and and they'll be in the stores and they'll find it for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like you're saying, Adam, a friend picking it up for you. And that's what these guys are. So you yeah. ask them, what do I owe you? Well, what I paid for in the store and you know, you pay the shipping and it's on your way. So. so that's unheard of. I mean, like you really, you think about it. That's just one of those things that's unheard of. Adam, I have one last thing for you because this is one, this is something we've never really talked about. You know, Walmart right now has those Mattel exclusive, um, He-Man's He-Man origins figures that look a lot like the original He-Man and the Masters of the Universe stuff. They're a little more stable. They got a little more articulation to them. Have you, have you bid on those yet? Are you even tempted to bite on those? Is that not your, in your wheelhouse? I have not. Um, honestly, uh, it, it, at times it's been a little bit tempting, but I was not allowed to play with He-Man. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I grew up in one of those houses, right, right, um, where you know my 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 mother particularly was very strict and just thought it thought it was satanic, right, right, <laughs> I, right. So I was I wasn't allowed to watch the cartoons. I wasn't allowed <laughs> to, you know. And it, it's funny because I was later in later you know my later childhood i was allowed to play with and watch a lot worse than that right (laughs) my parents my parents threw the line at thundercats it was like i don't think people and animals should be mixed together so i couldn't do thundercats but now he man i was tearing it up man i have the power all that good stuff um i love some he man i'm still very tempted every time i go to walmart our Walmart has the full wave in still, and I'm just oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm so tempted to jump on those things. I tell Lucas about it every time I go in. I'm like, well, they're still there. Still yeah, he'll tempted. text me. I just left. I had so-and-so in my hand. I turn around and put it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's hard with all these retro things coming back now. There's the G.I. Joe and there's the retro Transformers. 
Um, there's there's so many things, and e- even Star Wars alone, I don't have enough money or right. space to to keep up with it as a completist anymore. And so I have to I have to limit myself in what I'm going to collect. I started to get the six inch uh, GI Joe figures and the 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 new retro three and a quarter Walmart GI Joes and. I don't know if I want, I, I don't think I would necessarily want to continue with that. I might keep up with the little ones on the cards at Walmart mm-hmm. if I can find them. Um, but the six inch, to be honest, I don't know. You know, I love GI Joe. That, that was my number two, you know, star Wars was star Wars GI Joe and then transformers. So I love them. They've got all the nostalgia, but it's just a lot of money. And I don't know if the six inch figures are really exciting me as much. So. Right. Right. And they're, um, they they're hard to get too, especially uh, that that red ninja that he's impossible to get. I mean, any of these more target, all those target ones, they're impossible to get. Um, you know, the, the cobra soldiers, the just the plain old ones, they're impossible. So I don't I don't know if it's worth all that. It's so much trouble to com- keep up with Star Wars. Yeah, as far as as far as watching things on TV goes, Transformers was always my number two. They were too expensive, though, to really collect, you know, like I I had friends that had Omega Supreme and Metroplex and all the big guys, you know, I had a handful of Transformers, um, but um, but He-Man was a close third in there. I, there was just something about those characters. I just loved the, the sword and sorcery of it all, you know, which is why it was satanic and right. um, and 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 just the. The lack of imagination that went into it, but also the unbridled imagination that went into some of these characters. For example, you got a two-headed bad guy. His name is Too Bad, T W O Bad. You know, you've got a spider guy named Web Store. You've got uh, you've got Fisto, and he's just got a big fist. You know, and it's just like the very much just on the nose kind of names for people, and then. When you get around to Hordak and the evil Horde coming into play, man, those guys, it, but they were all like different. They were colorful and it was just like whatever they could imagine. Let's make a lizard character and call him Whiplash. Let's make a bird character and call him Stratos. Let's have, you know, let's do, let's have man at arms just because he is the arms master, you know, let's have many faces. Why? Well, because you turn a thing on his head and his face changes from robot to monster to human. And it's just like, it doesn't get any better than, oh, he's one of my favorites of all time. Is that an Origins Manny Faces or is that a vintage? Oh, this is vintage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorites of all time right there was Manny Faces. Ram Man. I I got it. I know what he does. You know what I mean? So (laughs) it's just like, I I just, I loved He-Man back in the day. And I've been so tempted by those, by those figures. And then I see people like, that already have like the next wave in hand. And so they're like reviewing Roboto and Orco. And I'm like, yes, I need these in my life. Of course I need these. Why am I not buying them? And then I, and then I get them in my hand. I'm like, I don't need this in my life. What am I doing? It's an addiction, man. It's crazy. You got to be careful. Well, Adam, this, I've recently started spilling over my collection into room number two, so now I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> that's when you, yeah, that's when that's when you know it's bad. That's when you know it's bad. Um, when I when I was down in South Georgia um, in single and had a little two bedroom house that I was living in, 
I always said, I'm going to keep everything in this contained in here. I had a few things on a fireplace out in the living room on a mantle and that sort of thing. But by and large, I'm like, I'm going to keep it all contained in this room. Well, then I'm like, well, you know what? I can put a shelf right out in the hallway as kind of like the entry point to this room. Well, you know, I can do this and have these come around and put on this shelf because these are like high end collectible pieces I can have here on a bookshelf in the living room, you know, and then just and, and then I'm like, all right, forget it. Everyone knows I love Star Wars. I'll just keep putting it all out there. Then you got married. And then changed. Yeah, well, then I moved up here and had to pack everything up, and then I started to get toward getting married, and I had a whole room full of just stacked almost floor-to-ceiling of boxes that I would just go through, and we'd sell. We sold off leading up to the marriage so I could do a, have a marriage and a, um, and a honeymoon and stuff. So, But, Adam, it's been so cool hanging out with you, man. It's been too long for us to hang out, I know, but I'm just glad for this group to get to know you. Um how do people find you and, and get, obviously they can tag you in the group, Adam Bray, but I know you've got some more social media where you're active at. Yeah, I'm on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I'm at uh, author Adam Bray, all one word. Um, I'm most attentive on Twitter. So that's the best way to quickly get my attention. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, uh, and then like you say, you've got books, uh, are there any, like, do you have some that are more in stock than others uh, in your possession that people can get in touch with you to have signed? Yeah. Uh, the ones that I really have in stock, um, are the, uh, the Marvel encyclopedia, the, the great big, uh, the, the big purple one. Um, okay. and, uh, oh, the, the Marvel studios visual dictionary. Um, that's if you think of the star Wars visual dictionaries, this is the Marvel MCU version. Let me, uh, I've, I've got that. Let me pull that out real quick and yeah. kind of give it a, give it a little bit of a show off on the camera here. And that is so much fun. I'm so, <clears throat> so proud of that one because that's the first, first really big reference book for, uh, the Marvel MCU. And, they let me do write the entire thing myself, so it's all mine. Wow! Um, so that was that was quite an honor to be able to write that. I keep hitting the uh, <laughs> keep hitting the mic. I'm sorry. No, um, that's all right. We'll do a we'll do a uh, a quick a quick reading here from from the Captain America. So, so uh, how is this? This is laid out in chronological order of the characters. And stuff, yeah, yeah, kind of divided up uh, by by characters and their associations. And how and far body. how far were we into the MCU when this got published? Do you remember? <clears throat> we were. Um, I think there's a there's a few images from uh, the Infinity War. Okay. Um, so Infinity War hadn't come out yet, so but I we don't were have full close. coverage of the movie there. But we've got. A few little bits and pieces. Yeah, we've got uh, in the very opening cover. There's um, she's got the blonde hair, so that's Infinity War yeah. Black Widow there. So yeah, there she, was. Or did um, she have? Did she have blonde hair in Civil War? I don't remember. Uh, no, that, I think that was just Infinity War. Okay. She had blonde hair. Yeah, 2018 is when this was uh, yeah. published. So do the math. That would have been just before Infinity War. You're right, right around that time. So there is some Infinity War stuff in here. Anyhow, I'll do a quick reading from the Captain America section. Um, Cap's first task in the war is that of a glorified mascot, touring the front lines to boost morale. 
When he finally gets a chance to prove himself, he leads his team of howling commandos in battles against the rogue Nazi science division, Hydra. Cap is motivated by patriotism, duty, <laughs> and a desire to help the oppressed. So there you go. Captain America from author Adam Bray in the Marvel Studios Visual Dictionary. Check it out. So get in touch with Adam for that. Do you have any of the Star Wars books in stock on hand? Yeah, the um, the uh, Visual Encyclopedia okay. uh, is one I've got a lot of. And uh, Star Wars, absolutely everything you need to know. Mm. Um, I don't actually have copies of uh, the new Ultimate Star Wars on hand, but I can get them if people want them. Okay. All right. You have copies of the Stormtrooper book on hand? I do, yeah. I've got a few more of those. All right. I know that's one that be interested in at our house, but what we'll do, like um, I said earlier, we'll create a post um, with all those listed on there. That way the guys and gals can, can see what's available on off of the Great. Touch with you. So. Yeah, so please reach Thank out you. to Adam, and, and like he says, he loves to uh, to sign books and, and get them to you, and it's a it's an extra source of income for him, helps him out big time. And, uh, and, and Adam is a, Adam, you're a great guy, man. And I just love having you on. I love the times we get to hang out together. And, um, if you happen to know anyone, if you happen to know Gina Carano personally, um, tell her about Adam. He's a suave dude. Nice guy. Um, single. totally, <laughs> totally single. single, got a sweet beard happening, rocking a mm -hmm. sweet beard, wizard's beard. And, uh, and, and, uh, big, and he's a big fan and he promises not to be weird about his fandom. <laughs> Uh, if, if he, he gets Yoda hat when right he now. gets to meet her, so <laughs> uh, so a anyhow, of, Steve, a couple of cantina things, real quick. Um, I do want to remind our crew that's watching uh, us on the cantina that we've got that Toys for Tot two drive, uh, toy drive that's going on right now, uh, auction style. It'll wrap up on Monday, so uh, jump in there, make some uh, bid on some stuff. All the proceeds go to Toys for Tot. Or they can list items. They're willing to donate. And uh, those things go to Toys for Tot. Monday, we've got our big Cantina Christmas party at 8 o'clock via Zoom. And we've got the Secret Santa gift exchange happening. Uh, a lot of the gifts are starting to show up. I know some folks are tempted to go ahead and open them. Wait. Wait for the party. We're going to open them live together in Zoom. Uh, have our own little Christmas party. Go around. I don't know if we'll draw names out of a hat and who goes first or whatever. But that's going to be fun, and uh, we're going to do some different stuff. Going to have some some items for sale as well. If you need to add something to your collection or as a Christmas gift, so that'll be Monday at eight o'clock uh, back here in the cantina on Zoom. So that's what's happening on our side of the fence. So. In that uh, in that auction thread, um, there is uh, there's a few things. They've got the 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 Black Series Credit Mando right now. Uh, there's the Clone Wars Black Series, uh, that were the, are these the Walmart exclusives, Lucas, from the, with the different yeah. Mandalorians and stuff in there. Um, I'm seeing some retro collection figures. I'm seeing, uh, vintage collection, uh, Stormtrooper from the, um, is that from the Bespin play set that's yeah, out there? Yeah, that's from the Bespin play set. Mm -hmm. I got two of the sets, uh, one of them was cheap at Amazon, um, day after, and, um, so I grabbed, grabbed, uh, grabbed it, and then that's the figure out of it. Okay, so, so good deal. Uh, Walmart had them for real cheap too that day, yeah. and um, and so uh, which they should have. I mean, it's not it's not much of a place that we we're not going to go there. So yeah, so it's head over. You, do. you put them together too. It looks nice. Yeah. Have you done it? 
Yeah, I've got the the platform, so I got to add the figures, put some lighting and stuff. Mm, awesome, awesome. Hey, hey and uh, you know, we were, we were talking about the need for GI Joes. Mister Jim, he chimed in. He says he knows a guy that's got a lot of GI Joes. If anybody's looking, so, so. all right. Uh, so, so there you go. And for everything else, Geek Out Loud, you can check us out geekoutpodcast.com. Uh, join our group over at the Guardians of the Goldiverse. It is a private group, so you have to answer a couple of questions when you get over there. You can get there by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. We're very positive and friendly, and we talk about everything from music to wrestling to Star Wars to uh, to, to cereal. So um, it's all there, and we appreciate everyone joining in with us tonight. For those that join us at mixer.com slash Goldiverse, for all one or two of you, appreciate you guys hanging with us tonight and uh for adam bray for lucas butler i'm steve glosson we'll see you on the next geek out loud in the chewy's cantina room have a good one everybody you guys <laughs>